Hello and welcome to Preparing Foster Youth for Adulting, the podcast designed to highlight strategies and resources that help youth in care transition to adulthood successfully. Our guest today is Cheryl Williams. Cheryl is the founder and president of Fundamentals of Foster Care, based in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Cheryl. I am so glad that you're part of Aging Out Institute's podcast series. How are you today? I am great. How are you, Lynn? I am doing really well. Thank you very much. Well, I really am looking forward to finding out about your organization. But first, I'd like to find out a little more about yourself. Would you please share a little bit about yourself and how is it that you became connected with the foster care system? So I started pretty young because it's kind of a sad story, but also it picks up by the end in that (laughs) my sister went into foster care when I was only five or six years old. And I was really close to her because she was like world's best sister. She'd be putting on dance choreographies for us, teaching me to roller skate. And she was just so sweet to me, but she was always having these fights with my parents and asking me if I thought we were being abused and stuff. And she was six years older than me. So she went into the foster care system and it was this grieving process. Like I lost my best friend and my sister and I didn't understand what was going on. And there was court hearings and counseling and Oh, it just started really young being connected to the foster care system. But I did not go into foster care myself until I was almost 17 years old. The neighbors saw my dad drag me by my hair out to the trash can and they called the police. And I had tried to tell people, but people didn't believe me. Like, oh, you're just a teenager that's rebellious. And oh, from the time I was like 11 to 17, it was just so much trauma. And so I had a hard time focusing on my education. And so that was part of this thinking process of just, it is really tough for kids that have been in foster care to finish their education for so many different reasons. (laughs) Like, where do you start? Yeah, right. Exactly. So you have direct experience of being in foster care, but where was this? What state? See, I mean, I was in Pennsylvania when my sister went into foster care. And by the way, she found me and we both caught up when we were like, I was like 30. <laughs> she found me on Facebook and she's doing CASA and I was doing CASA. We both had two kids. It was just so crazy. We were like twins separated at birth. So even though I went through this horrific grieving process, it's pretty cool. Nobody else seems to have this story of reuniting with like their best friend and getting to share family stories Aww. from here on out. And I am glad to hear that. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) That was my dream when I was younger, is just to see my sister again. I hope she was alive. So she was in Pennsylvania. Yeah, she was in Pennsylvania. I was in Alabama. My parents moved me down to Alabama where I didn't know anybody when the abuse got really bad. I didn't even have my brothers there or anything, but yet we were from Chicago. And so I stayed with relatives in Illinois as well. So I was in seven placements in that year and two states. Wow. Yeah, I was also in foster care. I went in at 15 and I was in, started in North Carolina in a couple of group homes. We moved to Baltimore with my grandmother for one, I think of semesters at that time of school. I was there for one semester and then moved to Pennsylvania to be with my foster family who were extended family of my uncles. I can understand the many placements. I didn't have as many as some young people have, of course, but the different states. Yeah, I was there. So well, it is a challenge it, for sure. But I understand we both have the motivation to do something good. Exactly. For these kids, since we understand. 
Yep, exactly. So you have a heart for that, and I definitely can appreciate that. So that's your background from your childhood and from your youth. How did that bring you, you what was your journey to getting to be, you know, running the organization that you run now, Fundamentals of Foster Care? That's a great question. I started off just doing other volunteer stuff for those that had no family with terminal illness and single mom support. I believe like true religion is helping the orphans and the widows. So I was just doing other stuff because I felt like I was too close to the fire. Like I get so worked up about children being harmed that I was like, I'm not ready for this, but I am ready to be, you know, like a bit of a mentor or comforter for those in need just in presence. I didn't know the answers to all the problems. I felt overwhelmed still, but I just wanted to be in presence with people suffering and to give them practical support. So that was good experience right there and just the art of volunteering because I knew I did not like being treated like a charity case. So I really put a lot of effort into treating people with a whole lot of just compassion and understanding of like if I was really in their shoes that this could happen to anybody. They've lost their family. They have no one. And now they're sick. You know, they deserve someone to be there for them. And yeah, I just really like being around people. And I don't know, there was a certain piece and wisdom, too, of just seeing people on their deathbeds and, then the, you know, wisdom that they find in their life. So I did a lot of listening before I felt like I had anything good to add to the world. I think it was part of my healing journey. But then I got into CASA because that was a lot of people were like, you know, you're so sweet and stuff. But I really think you have a heart for foster kids. You know, anybody that's ever heard me talk. And I'm like, well, of course I do. But <laughs> I just think I'm going to burn myself out real quickly. And I'm such a feeler, so I was kind of scared for, okay, well, let's try pasta, you know, that's just writing court reports and stuff. Can I interrupt you just for a moment? I'm sorry, I hate to do that, but could you just explain real quickly what CASA is? Just in case we have anyone listening. (laughs) Court-appointed special advocates. CASA's gotten pretty big now. They have gals, guardian ad litems. They kind of talk to everybody, the social workers, foster parents, whoever is involved, the kids, though, especially. You definitely need face-to-face time with the foster kids. It's a wonderful opportunity to mentor them while you're there. Is that enough of a description? Can I go on? Yeah, I think so. And, and there are CASAs, for those who aren't familiar, there are CASAs, wow, and just most major cities and larger towns, you're going to find an organization where you could be an advocate for young people. So just wanted to put that plug out there. It's the most <laughs> comprehensive training program you could do too. It was like a whole summer <laughs> of classes. They really do educate people on what's going on in the foster care system. So I remember that Christmas, I was picking out personalized toys for my kids and I had gotten pretty close to them. So I knew what they liked. They liked football and, and I got them a soccer ball too, and I got them some PJ Masks things. They were really into PJ Masks, but they were like learning things. That was really the best part to me of CASA is because I just know CASA has a big goal of reuniting them with their family. And sometimes, you know, there can still be abuse that goes on, and but there may not be a better placement even after you do the family tree. And I don't know. It's just I was left a little bit heartbroken that I wasn't really doing enough. And regardless of what anybody thinks can help, I just thought, you know, these little gifts and educational presents, they went off great with everybody. You know, like the foster, the, it was actually family said, yeah, bring on more of that. The kids really liked that. 
kind of people wanted me to leave my opinions at the table of <laughs> potty training classes. Are you willing to do that? You know, because I wanted the best for these kids, but I just thought, you know what, let me just try to supplement and add to this system, no matter where kids are at, no matter what placement, even if they get reconciled with the family, they can take these gifts with them and just remember somebody was thinking of them, someone loved them, and just something that is personalized for them. So they're definitely going to be interested in that. And we just encourage them with every note we write to follow your dreams, don't give up. Some of the idea came from that of, of some of my foster care experiences because I did have a foster mom who did buy me things like a clarinet. I really like the clarinet I was given. It really helped bring me peace when I was going through a hard time just to play and I had played all through high school. So I was just like, what? I feel like it takes someone that knows the kid to really pick out something great. Like there's this movie, The Ride, and I actually got a chance to interview that the guy too that the story was based off of it you know there was a bmx bike that just changed his life there's other stories so when i was in this group home it's just people were so jealous of these diamond earrings this foster mom had given me and they're like why are you loved it's not fair nobody's ever given me anything and i really tried to always listen to all the foster care stories and be like a reporter kind of my way of doing too, of almost disassociating myself as a foster kid. But yeah, and I just really thought, you know, above all, do no harm, right? I was a little bit scared of mentoring one-on-one if there would be any kind of abuse that would take place among volunteers. And I just wanted to protect them, but mostly like the has to come from the self, inside oneself. So this was like self-empowerment, building their self-esteem. And STEAM stands for the acronym of the nonprofit, Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math, what we call it Fundamentals for Foster Care, but it's a STEAM toy nonprofit. And so I just did my research of, you know, like STEM was made, in case anybody doesn't know that, to just build up the self-esteem of young girls and get them more into high-paying jobs, like math and sciences and stuff and computer programming where they weren't always interested in that. Lately, a lot of businesses have been wanting art to be added to it because you need like graphic arts and, you know, web page development, like art definitely should be a part of it. And I absolutely agree with that. You know, we all need creativity and innovation to be added to this world too. So I did steam and I just like the whole self-esteem thing. It, just, it is a process. And I mean, a lot of what that came from was just, what do I want to do for a living? I have so many different interests, but it's hard for me to focus on just one job. I still, still kind of <laughs> struggle with that. But I was like, really, my dream nonprofit was to do a nonprofit because <laughs> a nonprofit involves so many different job skills. So I just felt like this was like, perfect. I'm building my own job and in the process helping others develop a more specific skill set. So if we get a referral from a foster parent and let's say that their kid gets the toy and they only play with it for five minutes or something, well, they can set out another referral of, you know what, they would like something more maybe with some cooperation involved so that the other kids would help them or whatever they think would get them more involved. And we'll keep sending them out until these kids find their skill set or their self-esteem. There's no limit to how many toys we'll send out. Wow. Okay. Well, let me back up a little bit. When did you officially start this organization or the work that you're doing? Or were you doing this in some like non-official capacity before it became a nonprofit? 
I have been talking to people nearly all my life. What can we do to better the system? Or what can we do to abolish the system? Whatever question it might be. Just how can we make foster kids' lives better? And it is a really hard question. It's kind of like asking all the solutions to the universe with it. But, you know, I just wanted to start with some things that would get me in the door of a platform to speak up for foster kids. So thank you, by the way, for getting me on the air because I really do love to listen more than I love to talk. Just people can always send me their ideas and they do. That's been wonderful from the start. So it was just a lot of voices. And one of my best friends runs a doctor camp for high school students that were taught by just, I don't know, it was a lot of help just kind of thinking through something that would be like a CEO building thing. But, you know, all these different elements that I wanted is just, you know, that's only just going to empower them at the very least, do no harm, and it can be personalized to them. So that was the main friend that helped me think of this up. But it was really just through a lot of conversations. I thought of it myself, kind of combining a lot of people's voices. And we started this ironically right before COVID hit. I swear, I don't know. I didn't know that this was coming. I don't know powerful people. I was just a foster kid myself trying to make a difference. But, you know, when people are like, how are you adapting to the times? I'm like, well, we're only mail delivery. So we're going as long as people can find some extra, you know, account change under there to donate. Like, it only takes $25 to give a gift out to those in foster care. And were like interesting so this from the start was really encouraging to my soul because I just asked for startup costs when it was that two years ago that I filed the paperwork but I started it two and a half years ago it's a lot of paperwork (laughs) to get tax exempt status (laughs) and there was just a fundraiser it wasn't a tax exempt fundraiser but within like five minutes of posting my first fundraiser People had donated five hundred dollars for my dream of having this wow, nonprofit. That's it was great. It didn't launch till like midnight, so I was sleeping, and it seemed like I had to get approved by Facebook. So there was a delay, and then I wake up to all this buzzing on my phone, and it's like hundreds of messages. <laughs> I'm like, still I'm crying, just remembering like that meant so much to me. So felt like I needed to go with that momentum of you know we I certainly did not know rich people or influential people, but I did have some really good hearted people that were just like, go for your dream, you know, supporting me. And oh my gosh, it got me so excited. I hand wrote all these notes for everybody that had donated. And yeah, that's the fundraiser that means the most to me, not that none of the others do too, but yeah. And then through COVID, there's this little rock star named Chelsea. She started Chelsea's Charity and she gives art supplies to those that are like homeless or underprivileged. Because art really helped her. And I, I always have sent all these news articles about this girl. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I was just like, well, I want to meet her or something, you know, like I'm cheering her on too. How do we support her? But I had somebody from my organization just contact her on Instagram. And she was like, I'm going to send out theme kits to you guys. And then so I could, it just really helped me add some joy during one of the hardest times, like March, I think it was, you know, first COVID year. And so I just hand delivered them to foster home. I got referrals through a couple of wonderful organizations like Austin Angels was super supportive. And 
foster village too, but also just through word of mouth, like a group home. Like people, my friends list are contacting me. Stacey Johnson, she runs a group home. So, you know, somebody delivered a bunch of those kids to her teens there. And so it was really, you know, all the wonderful fundraising this sweet little girl Chelsea's charity was able to do, but it was a couple hundred our kids <laughs> and and those went over really well a lot of people really appreciated it and my daughter even got one they they said that they wanted my daughter too and so she gave an interview of just this really means a lot i was trying to adopt this girl she hadn't been in foster care but anyways i had just met her like the month before but she was obviously going through a hard time and uh, she committed suicide that month so my daughter and I were both very heartbroken. So these art supplies really did actually help her too. And she has all this artwork dedicated to her name was Z. She changed her name to Z Williams even on Facebook right before she did it. She wanted more than anything to be my daughter. And but oh that made me even more like I need to do more. I need to find more support. Like mental health is definitely really important she seemed just so happy and I had no idea she was going through so much but I go to court with her biological mom claiming that her she tried to run her over and she was just seen as evil by her mom and just there was a lot going on and I didn't realize it because I didn't know her that well yet but oh it just broke my heart more than I want to talk about but so I mean it really just makes me want even more to really support she was over 21, but there's not really an age where it ends, where you have any contact with your biological family and they're abusive or neglectful, that the pain ever ends. Like the abandonment can feel real and the attacks on one's self-esteem are still a big part of somebody's core identity. It's a really good point that once these young people are 18 or, you know, if they're in extended foster care, even 21, just because they reach that age doesn't mean, that, oh, they'll be fine now. You know, we all need continued support. We all need, you know, at least one person to connect with who can have our backs. Absolutely. Yeah. You never know what somebody's going through until you've walked a day in their shoes, too. I mean, once she died, oh, my gosh, this family was writing me and it all came on me. And everybody always said she seemed like a young version of me. And she really was. My family's a lot like that, too. Yeah, you really can't go by somebody's temperament, but she always seems so happy and joyful and oh, right. she needed more support. Right. Let me ask this, though, because I, I'm trying to understand what you do. Do you have a particular geographic limit as to where you will send these gifts, these items for the young people in foster care, or is it really anywhere in the United States? Well, it is Texas right now. And I was looking for support in some other states. When we tried to do Tennessee, it was like thousands of dollars just registering them. And that's the reason we haven't gone bigger. It's just, it didn't seem worth it. It just seemed more like there's 50,000 kids in Texas foster care alone. Let's just target that before we really expand. But I do hope that there's, really, I think more than even steam gifts, is that we try to fundraise for group homes and those that are aging out. We team up with quite a few or those like adoption agencies once they've newly adopted to give them like a family bonding scheme kit. It's just more of like support for foster agencies 
around. And now that I've done this for a couple of years now, I don't think anybody really should do 501c3 status because that doesn't always attract the right crowd of people who really care about these kids. I feel like anybody can just start up something locally of support doing good of just finding out talking to the local group home and what their needs are and trying to get them all the stuff mentoring a lot of transitional living programs which are aimed for about 16 to 25 year olds at least here they are there's a huge need for mentoring so I don't know I think somebody told me to look up the facts that when I was wanting to go to college but so many don't know that you don't know how many times I've been told by foster alumni like I had no idea there was free tuition. <laughs> Nobody told me. Nobody even told me that there was like a home available for me. So when I aged out, there was nothing in place for those that are 18 to 25. I was just out cold. And I really actually wanted to be emancipated. I got emancipated early. That means like kind of aged out of the system officially in paperwork. And aged out means once state you are like a ward of the court they would put your parents essentially but once you're out of the system you've aged out that there's just no support there used to be no support now I think a ton of people from my generation experience the coldness of that I'm like no wonder there's so much homelessness and unemployment I mean it's a brutal world out there it's very hard for foster alumni to succeed just like that it's not like they always got like this perfect ideal childhood even in foster care too so now there are transitional living programs is what they're mostly called there's like one in midland texas here called the dream basin for orphans it's just a wonderful program like people can look up there's something like that if not start one because they give a safe place for these kids to live and they have a laptop for them to use to go to school or work. They help find them resources to help pay for like a used car or something to help them get the point. And they have mentors. So if you have like, let's say you're really good at mentoring in business, you can mentor and each child is paired up with a mentor. I just love that program in particular. There's some good ones and there's some newer ones opening up. So people could look that up of how to support them. Just reach out and say, hey, how can I support you? And I'm sure they're happy to give you information about how to do that. There's numerous ways. Sure, sure. Well, I'll make sure to add them to the list of resources mentioned during our podcast so people can link to them on the Aging Out Institute podcast page. Great. So how does this work now? Your website, I'm just a, you know, just a visitor and I want to support what you do somehow. What is the, you know, the average person who goes to your website, does it walk them through the steps of being able to donate? How would that work? I think it's a pretty easy website. I created it myself. <laughs> it's called fundusc.org. So F is in Frank, U is in Ulysses, N is in Nancy, D is in David, F is in Foster, C is in Care, dot O-R-G for organization. Super easy to remember, FundFC, FundFC, <laughs> I say it all the time, <laughs> .org. And then on the first page, it gives a little bit of information of some of the statistics that caused us to want to start this, which is you know, how many, I think it's actually higher now. It says on the website 70%, but like 80% of foster teens want to go to college, but 3 to 4% are how many actually do graduate from a four-year university. So 
kind of depressing statistics, but we're trying to do something about it. And then there's a donate button on the bottom. And then there's another page for, <laughs> I try to keep it quiet just among foster care circles, but you would qualify. So it's like, there's a referrals <laughs> and contact page, any foster mom, any social worker, anybody who has eyes and ears that know of a kid in foster care or recently been adopted or aged out can fill out this referral form. Just tell us about the kids, their age, their special needs or interests, their career interests, and then we will personalize them pick them out just like we're their mommy or daddy and like with love and it's really fun for us volunteers to do that yeah that's great can somebody send you an idea for a steam toy or kit or something like that if they have one in mind or do they choose from a selection that you provide on the website we are actually in the process of streamlining the nonprofit quite a bit. I was working like three jobs before. And so this was just a very part-time hobby. When I got a thousand requests come in overnight, I was like, oh, <laughs> I like one or two a day. But yeah, we are going to be, we are changing it quite a bit now. So in the next couple of months, it all may be different. I think we are very likely moving towards more of a scholarship type of deal. So there's less kids and more of just helping with expenses to pay for their career dreams, like a larger type of scholarship. So that's in progress. But as it is right now, I just, Truly, it's me and <laughs> pick out every single gift. I have an early child education degree. That was what I majored in. I did get a four-year degree. I got straight A's. It took me eight years, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I did complete it. And so I really enjoy picking out, you know, targeted straight for their age and their development kind of toys. Sure. Wonderful. And do you accept referrals for young people like up to age 18 or up to age 21? What's your limit? Well, once they're over 18, I mean, honestly, I don't think toys usually impress them. It's more of like if they need a tablet or a laptop for school. If they really want a microscope, I could still send them out that. But it's mostly fundraising, which I don't really even do through the nonprofit. It's just that I ask anybody in need to just, you know, kind of contact me. They can find me, Cheryl Williams, on Facebook. I was the founder of Fundamentals for Foster Care. And I really love the fundraise for people that have been in foster care. I did help someone who has terrible health problems, you know, fundraise for some of those medical expenses and got him more money than any other fundraiser out there. <laughs> so, you know, from the kindness of people's hearts, I just, you know, I like to find people that really care about foster kids so they can yeah. find me on Facebook. And when you're doing fundraising, are you trying to limit that to the state of Texas as well? Nope. Oh, that could be anybody. So, I mean, at the very least, if they contact me, I'll connect them with somebody in their area. Like, I'm not just going to leave them high and dry. I'm going to try to help connect them. Well, how can they reach you? What's the best way through the contact form on your website? Yeah, I mean, it shows my email address is Cheryl C, as in Charlie, not S, C, C C C-H-E-R-Y-L at fundfc.org is my email. Or they can find me through the Facebook nonprofit page. That's facebook.com slash fundfc.org. And they could contact me there. Or they could even find me on Facebook. I always love new friends. All right. 
Great. And I just am noticing that it just struck me, and I didn't realize this, that on your website, you have fundamentals. Fund is capitalized, F-U-N-D. And that really highlights, you know, maybe that scholarship or that fundraising aspect that you focus on. Is that the reason for that? There was a controversy among the fundamental people (laughs) of whether the fun should be highlighted because these are fun toys or is the fund because it's just we all wanted the fun, but the website was fundfc.org. I don't know why we didn't just do funfc.org, but regardless, (laughs) the website was the very first thing before I even got a bank account for the nonprofit. So yeah, we were just kind of stuck with the name. So I'm like, it's just too confusing if it's just fun. Like the fund is highlighted so people remember the website address. Yeah, yeah, no, it helps, definitely. All right, well, I'll be interested in knowing and I'll try to track you, you know, going forward. If you do change your approach and you change to a scholarship, you know, we would be happy to have you back if you want to explain if it's a new model for your organization, would love to share it with everybody. So I'll just throw that out there as an invitation for when that decision is made. Yeah, I know you had asked me in the email just for some of my ideas of what might make the foster care system a better place or foster care outcomes better. Yeah. And so I did make a list. I'm so scared. There's so many things I want to do. So I just hope to get this out there in case it gives other people ideas. So I don't have to do all this on my own in life. <laughs> but some of my goals, I wrote at 10, are to start a scholarship program for those who have been in foster care to help paying for things like a car to get to school rent and gas money. I feel like those are really big things. There's free education in most states now. That's wonderful. But they still need help for just the normal stuff of living on their own. And then we need advocates for better quality psychiatry for foster youth. It's just atrocious how the system does currently usually over-medicate foster kids instead of actually focusing on truly helping them heal and be successful. So we just need more advocates yeah, advocating for better psychiatry and counseling. Then I'm still going to be doing the, the STEAM nonprofit fundamentals for foster care. We'll see how that involves so that it's Builds up and improving more lives. I want to host a talent search for foster kids to connect them to talent agencies and help them find their self-esteem. So I'm trying to get producers to start like a self-esteem program on TV. And then <laughs> I'm actually studying neuroscience as I really want <laughs> to help foster kids heal themselves from all trauma so they can be as successful as their non-traumatized peers. I know there's all this trauma-informed care, but I just feel like there's not often dependable caregivers for these kids. And if you feel how like you have this empty hole in your heart and you're looking for it, it's like, I just feel like you're going to get hurt more because nobody's perfect. So I really am a believer in a type of healing from trauma of just it's got to come from within. You can heal it, though. If your brain can go from a normal brain to a traumatized different brain permanently, you can rebound it back just as easily. I'm just studying exactly how to walk people through that. And then I'll be a public speaker on that. But other people are welcome to become neuroscientists so they can help our peers to recover from trauma. But that could help veterans and a bunch of people. And then develop skin and hair care products for sensitive skin and donate them to group homes nationwide. I know a few of us, including me, had painful skin disorders like eczema or psoriasis, rashes everywhere from the brace of bar soup from group homes. So we really need to get some good products out there for those with sensitive skin. And I want to raise funds for the poor but loving families out there who could lose their kids solely because they're poor. So I'm thinking like prostitutes in particular. I know a lot of them get taken away or those that had been in foster care. And 
they just really need people getting them on their feet, but they're probably going to be the most loving parents out there, you know, if that's an option. So I think raising money for the poor is a good thing to do. And then start a nutritious but tasty cooking nonprofit for foster homes since education success is linked to a nutritious diet. Open up family support centers where any foster kids or alumni can have a safe place to call home when they need it. We treat them like family. So, you know, they don't have these stressful like heart attacks or something about what to do next. We'd offer free career counseling and FAFSA mentoring to help them get on their feet and figure out how to pay for schooling or apply for jobs. And then an entrepreneurship camp, you know, like I do that with my own kids. It's great. It just building up self-esteem of like what kind of a CEO are you going to be and then teaching them business plans and all that stuff at an early age so they can feel empowered so those are my ideas (laughs) there's enough of those how many lifetimes have you got set aside for this (laughs) I mean it's taken like all my intelligence even come up with those ideas at my age (laughs) so now I'll take the second half of my life to implement all those the foster care system. I mean, if you think of the foster care system, I often think of, you know, the government involvement in that. These types of things, it seems like, is it really better maybe for private organizations to tackle many of these versus asking the foster care system, quote unquote, to manage it? Or are you seeing like a partnership with organizations that do these types of things? Did you have thoughts on that vision? I think it depends. I mean, absolutely. From the beginning, I thought it shouldn't be a bureaucracy. I mean, all that red tape, I couldn't even find a job because I need my social worker to sign off every time I was underage working so many hours. So that's why I wanted to get emancipated early so I could just work my three jobs and support myself. But my opinion, it's not a positive one, but like the way that they've outsourced finding homes for these kids to nonprofits instead of the government doing it. I feel like it's the same thing just by a different name. So the government isn't like, oh, government is taking these kids away from their parents because they have gotten a bad rap about that. And now it's like nonprofits are doing it and they're funded. She's like, oh my gosh, I just put on a costume of funny glasses or something and it's the exact same problem. So I don't feel like that's solving any solutions. But I do think that churches and I think that even non-religious nonprofits really need to take on this so that there's not all this red tape and people are actually seeing them and caring about them and they're not just numbers. But look, I wanted to start a group home, but, you know, it just got found to be unconstitutional, right? three years ago when I was thinking of doing it. So there was no funding for group homes, even if they'd be like much more higher quality. I mean, I was in one of those group homes that were definitely unconstitutional, but I wanted to make it like my dream group home. And when there's just funding is cut from it, it's not really solving the problem either. So I think there should be more funding for nonprofits, but they've really got to look to what nonprofits are seeing the problems from the foster kids side of like what will really change their lives and empower them and not just for the show of like they care about foster kids and then support those kinds of nonprofits. Yeah, I wonder if the foster care of the government, you know, federal or state had a certain amount of money set aside for certain types of services. I won't even say, you know, specific nonprofits, but certain services. Like we're going to, we have this much money available for nonprofits that provide advocates for psychology and counseling. 
you know, it's one of the things that you had mentioned. And so, you know, I guess it would be a grant, I suppose, that you could apply for. But even the whole grant system is confusing. And how do you find out they're even there? There's a lot of grant money that's just hanging well, out there the that nobody's claiming. Yeah. What's that? The SAFSA should be the unifying, you know, financial aid application. You know, I recently learned, because I mean, I'm thinking of getting a post-grad degree, a PhD in neuroscience, <laughs> Like there actually is, let me look at the name of it is because I actually just heard about it today, but anybody who's ever been in the foster care system does qualify for, it's called the John H. Chasse Foster Care Independence Program. Yeah. And I think the it's Chafee, I think. Chafee? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I think it's Chafee. I believe I've come okay. across that before. Yeah. We'll just call it CSCIP. I see that they've done that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but anybody who's ever even been a foster care youth, they help them achieve self-sufficiency. I thought there would have been a cutoff of like 21 years old, but it looks like if you just do the application, even an old person like me might get a little something. I don't know. Okay. I applied. Well, you know, I think you bring up a good point indirectly is that one of the things that Aging Out Institute is really hoping to build, you know, over time is you know, a community of organizations, small, medium, large, I think Chafee is a larger organization, where we refer to each other and we borrow ideas from each other and we try to stop recreating the wheel by sharing documents, by sharing, you know, concepts and by sharing programs, all, of course, for the betterment of how we serve these young people, particularly the ones aging out of foster care. That's our area of interest. So I think if we came together as a community rather than, you know, being more, I think some organizations are a little competitive or territorial. But I think if we can come together as a larger community, I think we will serve the young people better. I completely agree. Oh, speaking of that, another resource is from Orphan to CEO program. Manny Lopez started it. He does stuff completely for free. So, you know, for the people that like the entrepreneurship camps idea, he's actually already put a completely free program on there. It's like the whole program, you earn Manny bucks and stuff. So I was actually just checking that out this morning because I haven't gone through it myself, but maybe I can learn something there before. But I just that's a free resource. So I mean, I've talked to him just last week because I asked his opinion on something and he gave me really great advice. And I had no idea that that whole website is just free there for, well, anybody, but especially, you know, us orphans and stuff. So that's wonderful. And that's what he even told me to do is just keep creating free resources for foster care and alumni. And, you know, because there's these haters out there that are like, you're getting rich and famous off of foster kids. And it's like, that is so far from the truth. <laughs> Never made a dollar off of this. I'm just a very passionate advocate. And I work hard in my separate life. But anyways, it's just like, I didn't want it to stop me from doing good for foster kids. But anyway, so I do encourage everybody just, you want to stay on straight and narrow, just volunteer. If this can be the cause on your heart, there's just not enough people that really care about the foster kids. So just, yeah, volunteer from the kindness of your heart. And Yeah. And there's a lot of ways to volunteer there. You know, check out your area. There may be mentor programs nearby. You can, you know, connect with even big brother, big sister and see if there are any foster youth in the area that you could help. CASA 
right? You could be an advocate and you can be a full-time employee and do CASA. It's helpful if you have a little more flexibility, but you don't have to, is my understanding, as long as, you know, you can get away now and then to, you know, a court hearing. I was raising two under two when I did CASA, which is kind of a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, right. I, there you go. Time, there's night classes and yeah, it's mostly around your own schedule. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think donating money is great. And of course, it's always appreciated. But I think donating time and donating of yourself means more to the young people, particularly if you can connect with them directly. So that would be my recommendation. Yeah, that's what we really need is family support. So I mean, truly your hearts to love us, not to see us as a charity case, just how would you like to be treated? Anybody who can do that, you're my people. Contact me. I want to stay in contact. <laughs> we're going to solve these problems together, hand in hand, in this big heart shaped group. One day it's going to happen. We'll take a picture from my airplane. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, you know, we're getting close to the end of our time together. I did want to ask one question, which is the final question I like to ask when we have time is, you know, what is it that you love the most about the organization that you've started and the work that you do? You know, what I love the most is getting the pictures back because you can't share them on social media, nor would I want to, but it's just, you know, respecting their privacy. But I see the smiles and I see the little videos of, I can do it, I can do it. Thank you, Miss Cheryl. And and when I get to go to group homes and actually ask them for what their wish lists are, and they are so inspired by my story that I was one of them, and I completely relate. They're all like, you know, they compliment me, like, I love your style. I want skincare products. I mean, but I really bond with them. Like, I want to adopt them all myself, but it's just so fun actually spending time with these kids and hopefully inspiring them that you can do it too. I believe in you. Oh, that's great. Well, I think we're going to have to wrap it up, but I really appreciate, Cheryl, that you have shared about you and your own background, about the organization that you started and, you know, continue to develop. And I just wish you all the best as you move forward and do, you know, what you can from that multiple item list that you gave (laughs) over the years. And I look forward to tracking and, you know, seeing everything that you accomplish moving forward. So thank you. Thank you. You can tell I've been trying to meet people like you all my life that care about foster kids or invent through the system. (laughs) I have quite the resource list, but happy to share it. Oh, I've captured everyone that you've mentioned and I'll be putting it on the podcast page for people to link to. So appreciate that too. (laughs) Yeah. Wonderful people. Great organization. Yeah. Well, I thank you very much. And for those who have listened to the end, thank you very much for doing so. We try to put out a podcast every couple weeks or so. So keep checking our website, agingoutinstitute.org. Look for the podcast link and you can find all of them there. Or you can go to really pretty much any podcast distribution site and you'll be able to look us up there as well. So thanks for listening. Until next time. 